Jesus. Thank you so much. Amen, Brother John, Sister Kim, Sister Jackie. God bless each and every one of you who are here tonight. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. We're going to go directly into uh, the word of the Lord. And, um, and I, want to, I want to speak to you tonight on, on the subject, uh, miracles come in all shapes and sizes. Miracles come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, how many remember the prayer, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food. Uh, this prayer is a little prayer that people uh, have prayed for years over their, over their meal, uh, if you please, and... Um, and it's just a simple little prayer, but I love the opening of the prayer. Two very powerful truths uh, that, that are immediately uh, expressed. One, God is great. And two, God is good. God is great and God is good. And I think sometimes we forget that God is good. We concentrate on the fact that God is great, and we should, but we don't all the time uh, recognize the goodness of God. And the goodness, the greatness of God is demonstrated in so many ways. The greatness of God is demonstrated every time that the sun rises, of course. The fact that, that we can't move an inch from the sun as a planet and survive uh, but God is able to speak that thing into its place. That's the greatness of God. The goodness of God is that he lets it shine upon us to keep us warm. How many have been enjoying that goodness of God these last couple days? Amen. Looks like we might be able to for the next couple days. We'll take as long as we can get it. I'm still dreaming of a white Christmas, but, but that's December 25th. This is November 29th. Amen. But... But we, we thank the Lord for his goodness as well as for his greatness. Uh, his greatness is demonstrated in the, the magnitude of the miracles he is able to perform. The scripture teaches us in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 that he is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think. That's the greatness of God. Uh, the goodness of God is that he's willing to do that. And, and he will do things that, that you don't even realize that he is doing. In fact, his goodness can be so sublime that you can pass it by without even thanking him for it. We can pray prayers and ask God to move in certain circumstances to such an extent that when he does it, uh, it, it, we are so busy uh, being thankful uh, that we're not going through it that we forget to actually say thank you to God for what he has done. So the greatness of God often overshadows the goodness of God. But don't let it. The Bible speaks routinely of the fact that God is good and that God is great. Uh, I want to... Turn your attention to the book of Genesis this evening, the book of Genesis chapter 6. Uh, Noah was a man of God, 
a man of faith. He heard from the Lord. The Lord spoke to him, gave him instruction in a very uh, wicked and perverse generation. The generation that where Noah found himself was full of violence. And the violence had reached the attention of God. And, and the scripture says that the Lord, of course, uh, moved upon Noah. The Bible says in verse number 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It repented the Lord that he hath made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. I don't know that we've ever seen God like that. It repented him that he made man. It grieved God at his heart that he had ever created man. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created, and I will destroy him from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them they were so far from what God intended them to be. I love that verse 8, the way verse 8 starts. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I just, I want to read this again. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God had decided that he was going to destroy everything he created, but there was this one guy he could not bring himself to destroy. There was this one guy that he could not remove from off the face of the earth because this man found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so the verse number 12, verse number 11, the earth also was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth. Behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, and rooms shalt thou make in the ark. Now, this is a big problem, ladies and gentlemen. This is a big problem. And it requires the magnitude of an omnipotent God. To perform the miracle that is needed to rectify this problem. The thoughts of every man were only evil continually. Every man was continually violent. There was no goodness in the earth. Except one man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so God has to do something big. There needs to be a big miracle. They don't need a small miracle. They need a big miracle. Hallelujah. They need a, they need a massive miracle. They need a miracle greater than the parting of the Red Sea. They need a miracle on the scale of, 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 of something that none of us have ever seen before. And God is going to tell Noah to do something. And he's going to... 
tell him to do it without having any evidence that rain had ever fallen on the earth. Noah has never experienced what these waters even look like coming from the heavens in the, with, the, with the volume that they would come. And, and he's going to have to go simply by faith in the word of the Lord to do what God has told him to do. So God said, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. You shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. The breadth of the ark shall be 50 cubits. The height of the ark shall be 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. And Noah, you have to build an ark that is big enough to encapsulate you, your family, and the beasts of the earth, seven of the clean, two of the unclean. This is going to be a big miracle that God is going to do. Now that ark that Noah built was, I'm no engineer, uh, but it was, it was big. Cubits and multiply them by one another, it was real big. And if you want to know how big, you just drive about 45 minutes south of Cincinnati to the Ark Encounter, walk up on that thing, and you'll see about like how big it was. It was big. Noah needed a big miracle, and God is the God who can provide a big miracle. I don't know what kind of miracle you need tonight, but God is a God who can provide a big miracle. Hallelujah. I don't know how complicated the mess is that you are faced with, but God is able to unravel that. He is able to sort through all of that. He is able to deal with the intangibles and with the tangibles. He's able, hallelujah, to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, all we can ask or think. He is able to do it. So, so miracles come in grand, spectacular sizes. We see that in the story of Noah and the ark. We're going to look now to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus chapter 2. We're going to see a completely different kind of need represented in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2 is, uh, is a, a generation that's far removed from Noah's, but there's a problem. The problem is that Pharaoh has looked out upon the people of Israel who have come into Egypt. They've been there now for hundreds of years, and, and Pharaoh is recognizing that their number has multiplied, and he wants to begin committing genocide he wants to begin ethnic cleansing and his plan is to murder all of the men children that are born in Jewish households this is a problem ladies and gentlemen it's a problem and this problem needs a miracle 
That's a different kind of problem that Noah, than what Noah faced. Noah was faced with the fact that the whole earth was going to be destroyed. And he had to have a miracle big enough to house his family and all the beasts of the earth. Seven of the clean, two of the unclean of every beast of the earth. That was a miracle, the size of the miracle Noah needed. In this day, though, there was a little woman by the name of Jochebed. This is what the scripture says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. There went a man of the house of Levi, took to wife a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. When she could not longer hide him. She could no longer keep him quiet when he was ready to... To, to let his feelings be expressed. She was no longer able to, to keep him under wraps. She was no longer able to hide him. She took for him, look, an ark. An ark. Not one of those big arks that you can find in Kentucky. Yay cubits wide. Yay cubits tall. Yay cubits deep. But it was a smaller ark, an ark of bulrushes. And she daubed it with slime and with pitch, and she put the child therein. She didn't need something big enough for a family of eight and all the beasts of the earth. That's not what she needed. She needed an ark big enough for her baby. God, I need a miracle big enough for my baby. I need a miracle that's just the right size. And so she built an ark. The Bible says that she made an ark of bulrushes. She daubed it with slime and with pitch, put the child therein. She laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. Behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go? This is Miriam talking. Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And he was named Moses, for he was drawn out of the water. And he was saved that day. Now, I don't know what kind of a miracle you need. If it's something as big as what Noah needed, or if it's something as small as what Jochebed needed. But regardless of what kind of a miracle you need, you're serving a God that performs miracles in all shapes and sizes. Hallelujah. Now that, that now again, I'm no engineer, but that ark was about yay big. I don't know. I wasn't there, but, but it was, I would imagine, it was about big enough for a baby. So we got big arks and we've got small arks. We've got big miracles that God can do, and we've got small miracles that God can do. God can save nations, and he can save people. God can move mountains, hallelujah, and God can raise valleys. He's able to do what you need him to do. 
Don't lose your faith in God. And don't lose your faith for tomorrow. And don't lose hope about what God can do because God is able. Hallelujah. God is able. He's able to do it. Thank the Lord. Exodus chapter 25. We're coming to a new need. Moses has grown up and he's actually grown old. And he is now leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And they can't do it by themselves. And he told the Lord, Lord, I'll not go unless you're with me. I need your presence with me. I'm trying to lead these people. And I can't lead these people without your presence. You tell me to go forward, God, but I'm going to tell you, I'm only going forward if you're going forward with me. I don't want to, and you better believe that way. You better say, God, I don't want this job unless you're going into that job with me. God, I don't want this blessing unless this blessing is coming from you. Listen, you can have the blessing of man. Give me the blessing of God all day long. That's what the scripture means when it says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. That means in all the ways that you're traversing in life, you had better acknowledge God. If you can't find God on that pathway, don't walk down that pathway. Don't walk down that pathway for money. Don't walk down that pathway for fame. Don't walk down that pathway for riches. Don't don't walk down that pathway for any other reason but for the fact that God is on that pathway with you. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 10. The Lord said, notice what the Lord said in verse, actually we're going to read from verse Two, speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. This is the offering you shall take of them. Gold, silver, brass, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, dyed red, badger skins, shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, for sweet incense, onyx stones, stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary. Lord, I need a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof. Even so shall you make it and they shall make an ark of shittim wood two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the bread thereof and a cubit and a half the height thereof and you shall overlay it with pure gold within and without shalt thou overlay it and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about he goes on to describe the dimensions of this ark And this ark is different than the other two arks we've talked about. The first ark was was real, 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 real big. The other ark was really small. And this ark is, is like Goldilocks said in the three bears. It's just right. Again, I'm no engineer, but this ark was something like this. I'm giving you technical terms now. Y'all following me? It wasn't a small need, but it wasn't as grand a need as what some situations require. But it was a need that was, that was in, 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 in desperation for God to move. And I'm going to tell you something. When they took this ark into battle with them, they would win that battle. 
when they would take this ark with them, they were taking with them the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. The glory of God. Don't you underestimate the fact that God can move in your circumstances. You might sit there and think, well, other people have it so much worse than me, have much greater needs than I have. And you might be right about that. But God has a miracle just your size. God has a miracle custom made for the need that your life is demonstrating. Hallelujah. God has a miracle. I'm going to tell you something. And the miracle that God gives you is going to be something that will be with you in every battle that you face. The miracle that God provides you is going to go with you every time the Philistines come against you. Every time the Jebusites come against you. Every time the Amalekites come against you. Every time the Midianites come against you. Every time the Amorites come against you. You can take the miracle with you when you go into those battles. And say, God gave me this. God gave me this miracle. And I'm holding on to this miracle. Hallelujah. He custom made this miracle for me. See, some people miss the miracles that God is doing in their life. Because they're waiting for the grand and the glorious. They don't recognize that God is even in the small miracles. How easy would it have been for Jochebed to say, well, God didn't send some cruise liner in here and shout, all aboard. So he must not really be working in my life because I'm over here having to labor to put together this little pitiful basket of bulrushes daubed with slime and mortar and pitch. And, and then I'm going to put my baby in it. So it's sometimes hard to see God at work. But I'm going to tell you, don't ever mistake that God is at work when you Obey him and act by faith in his name. He is working on your behalf. It may not seem like a miracle to you, but there's a miracle at work. And that baby you're putting inside of those bulrushes, you may not understand what all is happening, but God is putting his hand of protection upon that child. I know he looks small to you. I know he looks little to you, but go ahead and prepare an ark for him. Hallelujah. Send him down the river of faith. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And the favor of God will come upon that child. And the anointing of God will come upon that child. I know, it's, I know you want to see Israel saved. And you wish God would just send a cruise liner to save them. But he's actually going to anoint your child. Hallelujah. And send him to save Israel. God has a way of doing it. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. He's capable, he's able, he's exceeding abundantly able. Don't miss the miracle because you think that it is too small. Don't miss the miracle because you think that it is too small. Hallelujah. I remember the great uh, Brother C.G. Weeks, Bishop, the former district superintendent of Louisiana, he was the superintendent of the Louisiana District of the United Pentecostal Church for many, many years. And, uh, and he would tell a story about when he 
was uh, preaching as a young man. And, uh, and as he preached, he uh, preached a particular revival that, that just kind of registered in his mind as being unproductive, as being, as being uh, kind of a, 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 a revival he'd like to forget. It just wasn't a very successful meeting. They went several weeks, and one, one kid got the Holy Ghost. And, you know, they, they certainly they measured their revivals by how many people would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it was just, it was just a, to him, it was just a miserable failure. I mean, have several weeks of, of revival meetings, and one, one little kid gets the Holy Ghost. And he was embarrassed by it, felt like he uh, kind of wasted their time. And, and, uh, and so that was... That was that. Well, he moved on from it, kind of learned from it, and tried to proceed now with his ministry. And uh, years later at a general conference, a young preacher came to him and said, Brother Weeks, he said, yes, yes, sir. He said, do you remember a revival that you preached in such and such Louisiana? He said, "Uh, well... Yeah, I do, actually. And in his mind, he's thinking, it's probably the worst revival I ever preached. And so, yes, of course I remember it, unfortunately. He said, uh, yeah, uh, I do remember that revival. He said, in fact, um, he said, we had, uh, I, think we, I think we only had one, one child receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in that revival. And the young preacher said, yeah, yeah well, that's right. That was me. He said, you received the Holy Ghost in that revival? That was you? He said, yes. He said, well, son, what, mind if I ask, what is your name? He said, uh, my name is J.T. Pugh. Brother J.T. Pugh, one of the greatest apostolic preachers ever to grace a pulpit, was responsible for the founding of, of, of so many hundreds of churches throughout the United States as North American Missions Director. And it just, it just, you can't even put a price tag on how amazing his ministry was. But, but Brother Weeks, in that time of his life, in that season of his life, it just didn't really match what he considered to be a successful meeting to see just a small child receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and then to move on. But, but you never know what God can do because God is able to do so much more than what we could ask or think, than what we could even imagine. He's able to do so much more. Don't miss what God is doing in your life because you're not, you're not able to focus on what it is that he's doing. God has a plan for your life. God can work miracles in your life. Let me tell you something right now. If you're praying about it, God is moving. Now, he might not build the ark you want him to build, but he's going to build the ark that you need. Now, you might just need, an, you don't even know what kind of an ark you need, but God knows what kind of an ark you need. And if God gives you an ark to put your baby in it, praise him for that little ark because God is getting ready to do something great to that baby. And if God gives you an ark just big enough to put Aaron's rod that budded and the Ten Commandments and the pot of manna, then praise God for that little ark that he gave you. Put what he told you to put into it. Overlay it with what he told you to overlay it with. And I'm telling you, God will give you the victory. 
And if he gives you an ark so big and so grand and so wonderful that, that all the beasts of the earth, seven of the clean, two of the unclean can fit on it, well, then you better shout. Hallelujah. And you better never stop shouting. God forbid that we stop praising him for blessings. Hallelujah. We ought to be praising him right now for what he did 10 years ago. We ought to be praising him right now for what he, my goodness, we've already stepped away two days from a miracle he did in our life. And we're back to complaining, back to murmuring, back to being doubtful, back to being fearful. You ought to throw your hands up and say, God has been good to me. I know that he knows the way that I take. I know that he knows the way that I take. People all the time asking, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? How many have ever asked that question? Come on, I need to see a show of hands so everybody knows you're not the only one. How many have ever asked the question, what is the will of God for me? Do you know the Bible unequivocally answers that question? And it's this, and it's very simple. In everything, give thanks for this hallelujah is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you you want to know what the will of God is for you right where you stand and right where you are thank him thank him for the roof over your head thank him for the clothes on your back thank him for the breath that you have in your body thank him for the blood flowing through your veins thank him that you're safe right now thank him hallelujah that you're secure right now thank him thank him thank him praise him praise him that's the will of God and until listen until you get that down the way will always look dim Thanksgiving has a way of lightening the path, enlightening the path. Thanksgiving is like, I turned my phone off. I'm not going to take the time to turn it back on. But it's got a cool little flashlight. This thing is so bright. I mean, you don't even have to turn the living room light on. You just turn your phone on. The whole place is lit up. The way they make these gadgets nowadays. That's the way Thanksgiving is. You just, you just start thanking God and praising God, and the whole path is enlightened ahead of you. As long as you complain and doubt and murmur and fear and, and are ungrateful for the blessings of God in your life, the path will remain cloudy. This is the will of God concerning you. In everything. He didn't say for everything, but he did say in everything. If Rover ran out in front of the car and got hit, God forbid, you don't have to thank God for what happened to poor Rover. But, but, but in the middle of that tragedy, give him thanks. In everything, in everything, give him thanks. Hallelujah, in everything, in everything. Hallelujah. In the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. Hallelujah. In everything, give the king of kings all of the thanks. Hallelujah. We look at this woman by the name of Ruth. Ruth is such uh, an interesting individual in the scriptures. When you look at her life, 
it, you know, she is in this lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she's a heathen woman. She's a Moabitess. And, and, and so look, look at what the word of the Lord says. It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. His name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. His two sons were Malon and Chilion. Epathrites of, of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. They took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. The name of the other was Ruth. They dwelt there about ten years. All of a sudden, Malon and Chilion died also. Both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. This was, prob this was such a major problem in those days. Because, because it, was, it, was, it wasn't as it is today. It, the women were very dependent on being cared for and taken care of by the men. And, and, and she had to go back home to find a kinsman redeemer who would take her into their care, one of the brothers of Boaz, or, or one of the brothers of Elimelech. And the Bible says she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. They went on the way to return into the land of Judah. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. She kissed them. They lifted their voice and wept. They said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again. Go your way. I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear son, would you tarry for them till they're grown? She said, it's hopeless. It's helpless. We're without hope. And Orpah said, you know, you got a point. See, uh, love you, though. I appreciate everything you did for me, but I'm going to go ahead and, and go back and try to start my life over. But Ruth had fallen in love with the God that Naomi talked about. And she said, I don't care how hopeless it looks, how helpless it looks. If this God is who you say he is, then he can bring water from a rock. If this God is who you say he is, then he can rain bread from heaven. If this God is who you say he is, then he can part the waters of this troubled sea that's ahead of us. He can work miracles on our behalf. She said, I won't go back. She said, your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. She had fallen in love with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and believed for a miracle. And I won't go into the rest of the story, but I will suffice it to say she got her miracle. Not only did she end up having a, a son, a child, but that child had another child who had another child who had another child. And on and on it went until Jesus came into the world. you let your circumstances rob you of your faith in God no matter 
desperate they appear to be. No matter how insurmountable they appear to be. Hallelujah. Don't let your circumstances convince you away from what you've been persuaded about God. I'm going to tell you something. I am persuaded. I'm persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. In the name of Jesus, I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me. Death can't do it. Life can't do it. Height can't do it. Depth can't do it. Principalities, powers, nakedness, famine, peril, the sword, nothing. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ that loves us. Hallelujah. No, no, nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. I am persuaded of that. So now it doesn't matter how persuasive anything else is. And you, and you be careful because you're going to run into per, some persuasive spirits. And they're, gonna, they're going to bring to you facts, figures, flowcharts. They're going to bring to you statistics of people who were better advantaged than you and fell worse than you. And they're going to say, this is the trend. This is how it goes. This is what you can expect. This is how hard it's going to be for the rest of your life. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. And walk in victory. Walk in victory. Walk in victory. Say, I just simply know, I just, I just know that God is able. And that if I trust Him and obey Him, then He will work it out. I just know that He will. I'm, I'm, I'm persuaded of that. You know what I'm persuaded of? I'm persuaded that He loves me. I'm not persuaded that I'm the best guy in the world to invest in. I'm not persuaded that, that I'm, the, I'm, the, you know, I'm the, uh, the cream of the crop. I'm not, I'm not persuaded that I even know what I'm going to do tomorrow or tonight. I'm not persuaded that, that, that I've got this, this, this grand thing in front of me per se. But what I do know is that he loves me. I said he loves me. And there's no devil in hell that can convince me otherwise. He really does love me. He persuades me of that. Every time I call on his name, every time I call on his name, he persuades me again and again and again that he loves me. Hallelujah. And, and, and based on that, I'm going to weather this storm too. I'm going to weather this storm too. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to look at somebody who has a very similar situation as did Ruth very similar now we know how Ruth responded Ruth responded saying no the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob that's my God the people of Israel those are my people whether you go I'll go whether you lodge I'll lodge I'm gonna go all the way with the Lord first Samuel chapter 4 the Bible says the Bible says Verse 15, verse 12, there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army, came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent, with earth upon his head. When he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. That beautiful ark. 
that wonderful miracle. They, they did not appreciate it like they should, and they lost it. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old. His eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army. I fled today out of the army. He said, What is there done, my son? The messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. And there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also. Listen. Hophni and Phinehas are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate. His neck broke and he died. Hophni died. Phinehas died. Eli died. Just like Ruth. Elimelech had died. Malon had died. Chilion had died. Fast forward to 1 Samuel 4. Eli dies. Hophni dies. Phinehas dies. What is the daughter-in-law to do? In Ruth's case, she said, I'm going to hold on to this God you've been teaching me about. But what is the reaction of this daughter-in-law? It came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God, he fell off from the seat backward by the side of the gate. His neck broke. He died for he was an old man and heavy. And he had judged Israel 40 years. And his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child. Are you hearing me? She was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law had died and her husband was dead, she bowed herself. She travailed for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, listen to what they said, fear not. God has worked a miracle. I know Eli's dead. I know Hophni's dead. I know Phineas is dead. But fear not. For there thou hast born a son. Really? That's the good news? Do you understand that the high priest just died? Do you understand that my husband just died? My brother-in-law just died? And you're going to tell me that there's good news because God has given me a man-child? The Bible says, she answered not, neither did she regard it. That's what we do with all of our miracles that are too small for our satisfaction. We see it for what it is and not for what God's going to make it to become. And we say, no, I don't want that kind of a miracle. I want a big one. I want a grand one. I want a, I want a spectacular miracle. And God says, I've got a miracle just your size. It's small. It's, listen, it's small. It's little. But if you'll nurture this miracle, this miracle will be more than what you could imagine it to be. If you'll just raise this miracle and develop this miracle and pray over this miracle and teach this miracle and train this miracle. Nursemaid saw it. The nursemaid said, Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, for God has given you a son. Oh, but it, it was far too small and insignificant of a miracle for her to even regard it. So she did not regard the miracle. Listen to what she did. She named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. 
And she said, the glory is departed of Israel, for the ark of God is taken. What do you name what God brings into your life? Hallelujah. Don't name it the glory is departed. Name it glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God in the small things. Despise not the day of small things, but praise Him in the day of small things. Thank Him for every little miracle that He brings your way. Every little blessing that comes down the pike. Take it and shout. Take it and rejoice. Take it and give God praise. Too many times the miracle comes and we don't regard it. Because it's too small and it's too insignificant. And we, just, and we just want something bigger, something more along the lines of what we were asking for. And God says, no, 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 this is it. But if you'll develop it, hallelujah, hallelujah. I remember hearing a preacher who was talking, preaching about his son facing severe, severe alcoholism. He was a good man of God and... His son was facing severe alcohol addiction. And he didn't know what to do about it. He prayed, fasted, rebuked everything he knew to rebuke. His son just struggled and struggled and he would not give up on his son. And, uh, and he felt convicted of the Lord that he was to go with his son who was visiting Alcoholics Anonymous. He'd never been to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting before. He'd never, he'd never been in there. And uh, he wasn't sure of what to expect. But he went there and sat with his son. And there were many things that stood out to him. But one of them that stood out to him was something that he just simply couldn't get over. He sat there with his son and several other people. And they went around the room. And one man stood up and said, hi. My name is Bob, and I'm an alcoholic, and everybody responded, hi, Bob. He said, I've been sober for 24 years, and everybody clapped. And they moved to the next guy. He said, hi, my name is Ed, and I'm an alcoholic, and I've been sober for 10 years, and everybody clapped. They got to the next guy and he said, my name is Larry and I've been an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic and said, uh, I've been sober for 10 months. Everybody clapped. Got to a guy closer to him and he stood up and said, hi, my name is Robert. I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober 24 hours and everybody clapped. The cynical would look at that and say, 24 hours? What's that? But not the person who's been asking God for a miracle. God, I need you to break through into my situation. I need you to step into my my circumstances, my, my environment, my atmosphere, and move in my life. I'm going to tell you, every little victory is worth rejoicing about. 24 hours or 24 years, give God the praise. Give God. 
Give God the praise. Give God the praise. Hallelujah. I wonder if somebody could just lift up a praise to God right now for every little victory he has sent your way. Every little victory he has sent your way. Go ahead and praise him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, don't let the negative overwhelm your thinking. Don't let the negative overwhelm your faith. But worship him today. Magnify his name. Praise him for what the Lord has done. For what the Lord has done. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are there any 24-hour testimonies here today that the devil has tried to tell you it's small, it's insignificant, it'll never last? I wonder if you could just, in the face of your adversary, lift up your praise unto the Lord and say, I claim this victory. I claim this miracle. This is my baby, and I claim this miracle. Let's praise him, church. Let's praise him, church. Let's praise him, church. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want somebody right now who needs God to bring an ark into your life. And you don't even know what you need. You just know you need an intervention of God right now. Hallelujah. Are you willing to accept whatever God does? Are you willing to accept the wisdom of God for your circumstances? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Here's what I want us to do right now. All across this building. I want us to give thanks unto God in everything. In everything. Hallelujah. Stuff you would never dream of thanking God for, I want you to thank God in. Come on, go stand in it right now. Go stand in it right now. Go stand in that deepest hurt that you have. Stand in the middle of it and lift up your hands to the Lord and say, Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, God. I worship you, God. I magnify your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, whatever that is, whatever that is, that deepest pain, that deepest loneliness, hallelujah, that strongest, that strongest fear that has come against you, stand in the middle of it and praise his name. Come on, that's it. If you want to come and pray, come and pray. Hallelujah. If you want to see God right where you stand, to see God right where you stand. But all across this house, the Spirit of the Lord wants to bring a miracle just your size into your life. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.